All right, we're on. So I'm sitting here with my boy, Chris Kravitz. He is the pastor of Waters Avenue Church and is how I've known him. Actually was introduced through a donor to the well years ago, and he was working at a real estate office, I believe, yeah. at the time. And we met, and then I heard he was moving in to help out with a church kind of near our neighborhood. And so it took us a little while to connect, but eventually we did, and... Waters Avenue opened their doors to us and we have been using space in the church building for our free market and a lot of the work of the well and sharing a lot of the work and mission. We've got some gardens going on here, different kind of enterprises in hospitality and kind of loving our neighbors and been super grateful to you guys for your work, your, uh, your partnership with us, your sharing of resources and space. So thank you. And thank you for making some time to come on today. Yeah, sure. So, uh, anything else you want to add to that as an intro to who you are? No, I mean, you pretty much, uh, you get, you covered the bases there. Sweet. So why don't you tell me, like, what is your first memory of work? So my first memory of work, I listened to a couple of the other ones last night that you'd already done. And I knew you were going to ask cheating. me, I knew you were going to ask me that. Yeah. And I've been thinking about it and I, it's hard because I, my first memory of work is just my dad coming home from work. That's good. Like that's what work was. It's the thing you went to when you grew up. Yep. Um, and then tied with that is just working quote unquote around the house, like chores. Yep. That's my first memory of work. So tell me about that. Um, I think that I very quickly associated the word work. This is what I, for a long time I operate operated under this impression that like work is you, you trade some sort of effort for money. Yep. So I would, you know, my mom would give me these little things to do around the house to make a quarter. So were you always paid for chores? I wasn't always, there were th things that were expected. I think like most kids, like I had to keep my room clean. Yeah. Without any kind of, you're paid by not getting your ass kicked. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but if it was like, Oh, can you do this little project? My mom always had some kind of weird project going on. She was, she was into like decorating her house. So uh, putting a wallpaper or sand, she would always have me sand things. That was the thing she would repaint furniture that she would buy like in you know like a garage sale or something yeah and i always had to sand it first i was that was my role. was she flipping it and selling it no she just she's just a house. decorator yeah constantly yeah. changing just the house around turn this into shabby chic right something. well yeah <laughs> she was never quite as trendy as that okay but right right nice i like it <laughs> so so you should have chores and chores were things that were expected of you that was work to be done your early memories of let's just say adolescence or whatever and then dad went to work. What did dad do for work that he, he went to? For yeah. Money? He, for most of my childhood, like early childhood, he worked for a plumbing supply company as a salesman. Okay. Um, when I was in middle school and beyond, he was a pastor. Really? And so that became what work kind of looked like. Yeah. Curious if you, I'm just going to, you know, we mentioned that you're a pastor here, right? Dad was a pastor. Uh -huh. Any, you think there's any connection there? You're talking like to a guy just, who loves Freud, so... So voca <laughs> vocationally, tell me about it. I'm sure there's a connection there. I mean, I was... So my whole life, my dad wanted to be a pastor. I remember in my early childhood, he was always putting out resumes. Um, he would send preaching tapes, because like back then you had tapes. 
to churches, you know. Now, those tapes, was he preaching to people or was he preaching just like... Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, right, 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 right. He, would, he was... They weren't that bad. It was uh, from a church that he, like, you know, the church we attended would record him Some preaching. Some people had let him yeah, speak. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like preaching it to a mic. Is that really different than podcasting now? It's what we're doing here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, that was certainly tied to that because um, early on in my childhood, I was instilled with this belief that, like, you know... Uh, full-time ministry, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. uh, was a desirable thing. Yep. And I think that kind of got into my head and probably guided my path to some extent, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but it took you, – you didn't aim at being a pastor? When I went to college, I, uh, I did. Okay. Yeah, I went, I went to college to study – Bible, like it was a Bible. So this is like right program. out of high school. Right out of high school. Yeah, yep. um, yeah, in high school. <clears throat> sorry, I determined that I felt like I wanted to be a pastor. Yeah. So I went to school to do that. Um, that didn't last. That that desire kind of went away. Um, life circumstances kind of drove that away to some degree. Okay. Um, I, the school I attended was very conservative. Uh huh. Um, the college, and I ended up having to not be able to return one of the semesters because of accumulation of demerits demerits. Yeah. It's this weird thing. It's so strange. The, the evangelical world sometimes like it's a very strict college. Okay. And, uh, (laughs) like you, there were rules, like you had to wear certain clothes and and shave and things like that. And I wouldn't do those things because that's kind of just a streak I have in me. Yeah. And, uh, so I would get, a certain amount of demerits. And if you accumulated these like marks against you, yep. you would be asked to either leave or like leaving was like, if you drank or had sex with somebody, okay. but like not come back next semester was like, if you had too many from the little things I would do too many times, not shaving, uh-huh. Interesting. not showing up to chapel, things like that. Cause there was chapel. I love it. Oh, it's crazy, man. That sounds awful. <laughs> it's, it, it's funny. It was awful in a lot of ways as far as like the social side of it. But uh, some of my professors were awesome. Mm-hmm. And actually, um, actually, I owe a ton of like the way I think and who I am today because of some of those classes I took. Yeah. Yeah. What's like one of the most significant classes? <clears throat> um, I loved taking Greek. New Testament Oh, I Greek. did too. Yeah. It was very much something that uh, opened me up to like a love of um, the biblical text, like diving into it in ways I had never, even though I was raised a Christian and raised in this like community that very much emphasized studying the Bible. It was never real for me until like I kind of discovered it there in class. Uh, Another thing that was very influential was, well, it was more just a particular professor he kind of turned me on to some ways of doing theology I'd never heard of before. Uh, radical theology, for instance, which I'm kind of like into now. So that stuck with me for a while. Cut it out and put it. Yeah, so that was horrible, right? So I had to <laughs> just move something outside, so let's just call that what it is. Um, so, so this teacher... Sorry, so you're this teacher's digging into some radical theology, and this has been, what? Well, why, like, why do you think that that was so significant? It showed me that um, I had always had, well, for for years, not always, of course, but 
for a while I had had some serious uh, reservations about Christianity as I saw it and it, it wasn't working for me in a lot of ways and I uh it just kind of opened up a new way to be Christian I never I never really lost that kind of deep down innate desire to be Christian that I had always kind of had but hmm. I did not want to be in the way that I had told you had to be yeah I ain't shaving not shaving. Well, it, it was more than that too. It was more than that. It wasn't just the rules. It was, you know, some of the, I don't know. I, I just you struggle with some of the dogmatism or maybe some of the structures of different doctrines or something like that. I mean, I don't know. There's a lot going on when you start digging into theology. It's not well, for everybody, but yeah, I don't want to get in the weeds there. But. Sure. Yeah. Well, one of the one of the things that I guess interests me around the overlap of conservative theology. Christian ministry and the topic of this podcast, which is really work is, and even the work ethic as a name, like there is the Protestant work ethic. Right. And I'm curious, I don't know if you just, I, how about just that? Just, there is the Protestant work ethic go. (laughs) Oh man. I, I actually was about to read Weber's book like, uh, last week. I've got it in my backpack carrying around with me, the Protestant work ethic, but I don't know much about the Protestant work ethic. I'll be honest with you. Part of the reason why I was like nervous originally when you asked me to do this podcast is I don't really fit into the Protestant work ethic. (laughs) I don't have the like, you know, the whole traditional get up, work hard, break your back, sweat, and then, you know, you'll get everything you want to get type thing. I've I've never been kind of uh, maybe what people would say is driven in a lot of realms. Like temperamentally or that you're yeah. like, you don't think it's good. No, or... temperamentally, probably. Um, there is something that like feels like it doesn't fit with me when I do hear like the people talking about like the grind. I respect it. I like, I'm like, wow, that's respect cool. Like grind. you did that. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I just don't, I've just never really done that. Um, you know, even from. Even even going back to those early childhood stories where like you do the chores, it was like, oh, I get, I need the quarter. Like I gotta buy stuff. But, yep. Like I didn't have any kind of like drive to achieve yeah. more quarters. You know, I didn't have as many quarters like I possibly have. Like I just didn't. Why do you think that is? Oh, I don't know. I think about that all the time. I think maybe my parents could have pushed me harder. Could have pushed you harder. Yeah, could have pushed me harder. Kind of maybe instilled like no. Part of being human is just you gotta get stuff done. Sure. Um, yeah, Yeah, but okay. So what is it that, so, so, I mean, temperamentally you go, well, that's an element of maybe conscientiousness that they call industriousness, right? So someone who is driven, who's hungry, who stays hungry. Um, and I, and I, I have a large attraction to that. Right. And, and, and it is, it's an important attribute to me, but I do recognize diversity in our temperaments and teams and reasons that maybe we make good partnerships when one of us is one way and another's another way. And I thank God for the people that drive me the most crazy in my life because of the <laughs> gift that they are to me. You know, the, the orderly and neurotic people in my life, right? They're mm-hmm. like, they're, they own, I'm like, you see obstacles and problems and reasons it won't work. And I just, it like, I don't even see those things mm-hmm. personally. Right. I see drive and I'm like, we're going to run this like parkour. I don't like, we're just, those aren't obstacles. They're just, you know, part of the game or whatever. Right. And, and it drives me crazy. But then I'm also grateful for those people. It may be the most because 
I don't think much would have survived that we've built without temperamental difference. Right. And mm -hmm. so I go, okay, well, I don't want to assume that there's some negative there, but I am curious about it because I don't, I think I'm temperamentally more industrious than, mm -hmm. well, than you. Oh, absolutely. Maybe, right? dude. Yeah. <laughs> when we talk, so, in many ways, we're very opposite temperamentally in some ways. Yeah. 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 Ways. And so, and so I wonder like, okay, well, Tell me about, cause it makes me go, well, is that a lack of motivation? Um, right. is it like, yeah, so, just yeah, like, what I, is it? Yeah. Um, so I think part of what plays into it, it, it is like vocation because I, for the longest time, I mean, well, not the longest time, I'm only 32 years old. Right. But like for 25 of those years, probably, um, I, just kind of went with the flow, whatever was happening in life, I'm just going to do it. You know, um, very rarely would I see like glimmers of, uh, what we're calling like industriousness or drive or whatever. Um, but when I look back and I see those glimmers, I realize they're all centered around like kind of the same thing. And it's hmm. something I'm like passionate about, which is just to, uh, what kind of what I'm trying to do now, like, like study ideas, being able to like connect, thoughts and ideas to like real life living applications, things like that. Um, and I can get in moments of like real industriousness if to use that word. Um, I mean, just the other day I realized I had spent like five hours just over a computer with books out, writing some things that I needed to write. And when I was done, it was, I literally, had not realized that much time had passed. Yep. It maybe felt like 30 minutes and yep. it had been like five hours. Mm -hmm. My son was late to one of his little classes that he goes to on Tuesday nights. Like I just, the whole thing just like escaped me. Um, so like I hit those moments of flow really hard sometimes. Um, but I've never been, Oh, you know, got to put in my 10 hours and like, got to like make that paper, you know, I just like have never, <laughs> never, gotten, never sure. gotten that side of it. So like there is definitely these like flashes of intensity. Yep. Um, and they're always centered around just like my passion. So you're saying that, do you think that typically happens around study? Um, I know you're a musician. Has that been true of music? Yeah. Um, it's definitely around when I am producing something interesting so in some sense at 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 because i would say yeah i i mean it may it would make sense that at its core flow is triggered by a challenging engagement with creation like trying so it is you're most engaged when you're calling something into being yeah well i would say that i relate 100 percent with that and i just maybe think that everything I do is calling something into being right. Sure. So even something as mundane as like my morning routine, I think, well, I'm going to be the person that either hit the snooze button a bunch of times or am strong and willful and get up and move. And be, and I believe that that little decision is calling net tomorrow's John into being right. Right. And there is like a way in which I, I don't know, maybe that lens is, has overlapped and then as you also say, like, well, making paper or something that, yeah, I, 
I don't think, and I, I'm also not hugely motivated by making money. Um, I have to like work really hard to be like, Oh, I've got to like try to make some money. Like I'm like trying to get my life like leveled out and like, yeah, you need some money. And, and I've done so much for so long for so little. Uh, and you know, people that love me around me are saying, Hey, you know, let's, let's, (laughs) let, you know, let's try to balance out (laughs) the value, you know, the energy exchange or whatever that's going on here. But (laughs) Um, yeah, I'm not motivated hugely by making a lot of money or haven't been historically. I think now it's weird. I think now I have been more motivated to make money only because I haven't been able to raise enough mm-hmm. to do the work and I have huge ambitions. There's mm-hmm. like, I am going to make a huge impact on this city and I am determined to see it through. And I haven't talked to anyone with a lot of money into giving it to me. So now <laughs> I want to go on eBay and sell everything to make it so I can, <laughs> I can, right, I can right, be right, my right. own donor. Or whatever I, I believe that I can I can I can leverage it and uh, and so I want to do that. But that even as I'm saying that, this is an element of this drivenness. Like I'm hungry beyond what I have in my hands. Right. You know. How do you feel? Like, would you say, well, I'm just like, what is the opposite of that? So, like, it, are you just content? Um. Right. What does stir? You know, because there is there is something about me that I would say. I believe in like, so I mentioned earlier people being negative uh, or, or, you know, the, the neurotic in my life seeing obstacles Mm -hmm. and whatever. Well, an element of that is, you know, there is a sobering element of that. There are hard things. There are things that are standing your way. There are roadblocks and there are things that you genuinely need to take into account that can take you out. Um, and I, it's weird because I am like generally like I want to stay positive, optimistic, and in some sense my head is in the clouds. Like it's out ten years, I'm aiming out there. But I also have this like if I were teaching someone like, hey, here's how to lay this out, I'd say I am, and you should be resolutely discontent, right? So I don't mean as a state of being. Sure. I think contentment is really important. I've learned to be content in all circumstances, and it's not as it should be. Like resolutely, it never will be as it should be. Um, so I, I don't know what is it that contentment? Like, so I think I'm starting to, you know, realize something. This is, this conversation is like opening it up. Good. Um, you know, like the various personality kind of traits, there's various ways of describing it, the Mm -hmm. Enneagram and the MBTI and all that. Um, one of the things that always comes up in those various ways of describing personality is the difference between um, like a goal oriented person and like a person oriented or like a relational oriented yes. person. Mm-hmm. And I think that I'm the latter, like yep. relationally oriented, because when you say things like, you know, I've got these goals, ambitions, I'm like, I love it. And I and I, and I want to see it happen. And, you know, I try to participate with you yeah. and like helping in a huge support it, yeah. it do that, but that it doesn't even enter my mind until someone like you says it. Right. Like I don't move through life thinking like, well, I got to get X, Y, and Z like they're out there, the goals and I will hit them. And yeah. therefore I must do what it takes along the way to yep. hit them. Yep. It's just not, it's not even there. You know, it's, so I heard actually, I want to say that it was a Filipino pastor when I, traveled to the Philippines. Um, I'm not exactly sure where I heard this or if it was through a mutual friend, but said that there's a major difference between a Catholic priest and a Protestant minister. Mm. Um, Protestant minister is always going somewhere, always working. He's always walking fast 
going somewhere to get something done. Yes. And the Catholic priest is walking slow because they're where they're supposed to be. Right. So it's funny that you said that. I never heard that before. Good. Um, but the, I often like to think of myself and, and, and this is, I, this, I, if anyone listening knows me, they may laugh at how absurd it sounds because I, it's not like I'm living up to this. It's not like I'm fully embodying it, but I often desire or think of myself in the role of priest mm -hmm. because, um, more than Protestant ministry, even though that's what I am mm -hmm. you know, fully. Um, but it's, I love that concept of just kind of like tending to the people around you, you yeah. know, um, ministering in the real sense of the word, like yeah. just being there for people and helping to shape where people need shaping or guide where they need guiding or inform if they need informing, like whatever, but like, but, and not even setting out for any one of those three, just being around people for them. Uh, that's kind of how I, I like to yeah. think of myself. You know, it's funny. Conceptually, I w I'd rather be the priest, but existentially, I'm the Protestant minister. Like, yeah. I'm always And it's funny because somewhere. I would say the other thing. I'd be like, I'd want to be the Protestant minister going somewhere, doing something, but but existentially, I'm more the priest. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, it's funny, but I actually think, so you mentioned several, like the Enneagram, there's all these uh, personality typologies, which I love. I love every version of them I've ever come across, <laughs> including like... I watch Winnie the Pooh. I went and just watched Pooh and I was like, oh, these are personality archetypes. Mm. And I love Eeyore and Eeyore's I love the, the Eeyores in my life. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, and I know four piglets, you <laughs> oh, know, yeah, and yeah. rabbit is, sure. you know, the, the, my neurotic orderly friend that, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just, I, and I, I was like delighted and well, you don't know Bishop Chuck, do you? I mean, we've met, I met him a couple of times, but so not he's, deeply. He's Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Not a lot of people listening are going to know him, but those that do will appreciate <laughs> old Pooh Bear. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, but I, I love him. And there is one that a lot of Christians use that is derived from the New Testament. And so you'll hear it like briefly referred to as Apest, right? You're familiar with this. So apostolic, prophetic, uh, evangelist, um, shepherd, teacher. Is that right? And as you're talking, I realize like that is a very helpful lens and why I think I actually think I have really appreciated over the last couple of years being able to work more with you and partner more with you because of the diversity of our personalities. And those would both probably be the source of the most frustration with each other and they'll also be the source of the most value to each other mm -hmm. um, and to the community that we're serving alongside together because I am and when you break out those types, I'm like, oh, yeah, this isn't Protestant Catholic. This is right. um, this is apostolic, prophetic, you know, versus the shepherd teacher. Right. Right. I, I You're definitely apostolic, I would say. Yeah. Right. Going so that, around, starting new things, leading things. I want to start it. And then, you, you know, you want to. Yeah. But you don't just want to start it and hit the road. You want to start it. But you also kind of like want to always have say over it, too, I think. Not, not well, that's not a bad sure. thing. No, 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 no. That's, not, that's not untrue. That's not untrue. <laughs> say over connection to okay. relationship well. with. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because I actually long for um, it's funny. And I and I think this overlaps with entrepreneurial initiative where I, you know, whether it's in the church or outside the church is like the personality that's going to call something into being mm -hmm. is not the same personality that's going to build a lasting business over time. In fact, the institution that you went to school at, you say it's really conservative. I actually think the ethos that makes up a school like that, and I don't mean the like 
specific theology as much as the temperament that is the conservative is the one that will make a business grow and last. Mm. They're going to institute protocol. They're going to be more attention to the books, less, more averse to risk. Whereas the one that launches a business has to have a huge appetite for risk. Like I'm so good with risk. Like I, I just, you know, it's like, yeah, I, I'm happy to put my life on the line, uh, over silly things. You know what I mean? Just sometimes cause it's fun mm-hmm. really. And like, so I'm comfortable with risk. I, I, I have like ambition and goals. Like there's a way in which the creator in me is like, okay, I am, you know, I want to call something into being, but I also know, and this has always been true. Like, so I, you know, even in, in ministry and in community, like I start all these, I've started all these relationships with mm-hmm. folks on the streets Um, but I know my, I am relationally, uh, challenged in depth, right? Not that I, I'll go to the deep end pretty immediately with you. But what I mean is I, because I'm always on the move, like I'm not the guy like you, that's more like shepherding, caring. I'm not necessarily that like soft, compassionate, caring guy. And people need that. Like I'm not a shepherd. Oh, one of my people that worked with me said, you don't have a shepherd's bone in your body, which I think is true. Actually. Like I'm not, I'm not so sensitive. Right. And I'm like, you need a hug. You need to go call your mom. (laughs) That's I'm not your guy. And, and what I realized was I can't be to this person, whoever they are, whatever it is we're doing without community. Like I must have community Mm -hmm. around me because it, well, it takes a village. Like I need to bring this person back to the tribe because they can care for this person in a holistic way right. over a long period of time where I know that I can't, like, I don't have what it takes. Right. And if I wanted to do that, I could only work with one person forever and try as I might, I'll still fall short in so many of those ways, but I don't want to do that. Right. right. I want to spread things, grow things. And it takes another personality to, or another whole group of personalities to, too, or a group of personalities. Like I, right. I'm not, like if, if, if you're going to like compare shepherding to if you need a hug and give you a hug, like I don't, I don't do some of that stuff. I may, I might not be the most nurturing type person around, but how I relate to the world around me and to like work is certainly more relationally based. Yeah. Um, and, and yet, you know, like you said, you bring someone back to the tribe so the tribe can take care of them. Um, you also need like, you the people that go and get the people that need to be brought to the tribe so like it's kind of like everybody needs everybody else like i completely love that concept more and more i've just been all about trying to understand the dynamics of community and the importance and how to grow and sustain one yeah (laughs) well and and it's very helpful to be grateful for the people least like you i mean you know, that is, that is the argument for diversity. It's like, well, you know, we, you know, and this is, you know, in the new Testament it's like that, don't say to the eye because you're not a hand or whatever Mm -hmm. that, you know, it's like you, you need an eye, you need a hand, you need different roles and functions. And sometimes those seem to be even at odds with one another. Yep. Um, I mean, even in myself, really, there's like, uh, there's a large prophetic element that wants to burn everything down, including everything that I've built. So Mm. I look back at what I've done and I want to burn it down and I see everything that's wrong with it. Not as a way to tear it down, but as like a, it is like, I'm, I'm committed to it and it's, I'm, you know, resolute discontentment. I'm, Mm -hmm. it's not good enough. It's, there's Mm -hmm. still a million things wrong with it and potentially, uh, deadly things, you know, like that's, that voice is always there. But anyway, all that to say, like, 
we need one another. And, and so you saying, I want to stay, I do want to stay connected to those things, but I desperately want other people to take ownership of them. Like I wanted them to take ownership of the relationships too, Mm -hmm. because I actually am hungry to do the next thing, Mm, you know? mm -hmm. And I think that's been a really, that's been a challenge in my own work over time. Um, and of course, part of that is running a small nonprofit and not being able to like financially compensate the people that might pick that up. And so, you know, I'm working hard at, at that as well. So, okay. It's kind of meandering here, but that's good. Let me tell me like, I don't know. So going back to like this whole, trail. Cause I, I am interested in this like temperamental, temperamental differentiation. And then like, I don't know, what is it that makes you work? Mm-hmm. So when you work, mm-hmm. when you see yourself work hard and I don't care what in. this is, right. is so you said, okay, it's often around creation. It's around ideas. Yeah. But it's um, often cleaning the bathrooms. Right. So I do see you often put in work in those kind of Mm-hmm. Just tasks mowing like the that. Yeah, tell, yeah, you love mowing the lawn. <laughs> I right? love it. Yeah, not me. So t- <laughs> tell right. me about it. Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, like the why behind whatever yeah. whatever anyone does, they have to be like, why am I doing this? You know? No, that's it. Um, yeah, I, it's all it to me. It's all about this community, this church. So like, whatever is going to make it thrive and be healthy. Hmm. Um, so the grass has to be cut. Yep. Okay got the grass mm-hmm. you know bathrooms gotta be clean all right clean the bathrooms like that's it's the it's not like i believe in the bathrooms necessarily in fact if you ask my wife she'd probably be like oh he would never clean them if it was just him living there right like i would yeah, just i believe that yeah 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 yeah, yeah 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 it's not like i'm like oh the the yard is too long and it's bothering my sensibilities it's like no i want it to look nice for people to come mm-hmm. like it's literally just to help the community run more smoothly and that's what drives me to work so I'm interested in that rationale there because that means it makes me wonder if I laid out a big vision for you. Yes. Right. You see where I'm going? Yep. And I, Absolutely. and I walked it out that here's a strategy we're going to go through and tactics we're going to utilize that are going to demand lots of work over a long period of time toward a lofty goal. You feel like that would be something compelling and oh, motivating yeah. to you. Yeah. So, so, when you wake up and you don't feel a ton of drive to get after it or, you know, mm-hmm. go do something and I, it's, you know, money's not competitive. You're like, no people purpose, people and purpose are what motivate me and cre- and production people purpose producing. Right. Those things seem to be what you're saying. And right. I love that. That seems good and right. And so when you're not motivated, yep. Right. Is it, is it, is there some way that you feel like maybe there's an, a miss, a misalignment or a fail to like, is there something missing mm-hmm. where you're not aligning that sweet spot for yourself? Do you maybe looking back on a season of funk, see that or, or is there another thing? Like, no, there's just another it because I don't want to like cast this as a shadow. Like I don't, yeah, yeah. I, I, I really no, am no, trying no, no, to like just extract yeah, what this sure. is. Um, well, I think the, I think there could be a breakdown in any one of those. Um, yep. So, like, each one has a way you could unpack it. Production, for instance, uh, I do think that you need deadlines sometimes. Yeah, right. Well, it um, helps me a lot. Yeah, you know, like uh, I'm never gonna miss a sermon, but sometimes I don't work on that new song that I want to work on. 
You know what I mean? Because it's not due. Yeah, it's not due. Like, I can, well, whatever. I'll, I'll have huge. it done at some point, you know? It's huge. Um, whereas, like, Sunday's coming. Got to write, you know? Um, have you heard Sunday's coming? Sorry to interrupt no. you. Sunday's a coming is an awesome sermon that you should look up. Oh, okay. Anyway, go on. Yeah. Sorry, Sunday's coming. Who you got to get it? that. Well, what's funny is Tony Campolo, I actually think he has a book called Sunday's a coming. Okay. And I don't know the pastor's name, but it's him referencing a okay. black pastor and his talk, but he's turned it into his own talk. So he talks about like, people don't preach like black preachers. Black preachers are the ones that can preach. Mm -hmm. And he uses this, like talking about the resurrection, like they put him to death, but Sunday's coming. It mm. was dark and they doubted, but the Sunday is coming. coming. And right, so it just right. echoes through the whole thing super powerfully. So he just took that and tells the story of hearing that sermon and it's turned into a huge like sermon he's been telling for decades now. Right. Yeah. It's like a central part of Campolo's. <laughs> uh, anyway, Sunday's a coming. Like you just triggered the, the, uh, oh, like, yeah, oh yeah. you preach, you'll love that. But <laughs> anyway, so you gotta, like you, you gotta get that done because it's, uh, uh, because it's due. Right. Okay. So, then, so you're okay. Go and then on. The people, right? Yep. Like people. Oh, you want, I, I don't want to, if you want to, no, 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 that. no, no. I, I can hold, I can remember. I think. And so like, that's the production. Like sometimes production needs a deadline. The people, um, like the, that, that motivation can certainly break down because there's this, uh, you know, for me, a lot of things are tied to like hope. And then when you lose hope, sometimes you lose like drive, at least for me. Oh yeah. So if it's like, uh, man, just no one's resonating with it. And th those things you tell yourself are never true either. It's just something that you've, for some reason, let yourself embrace, but yeah. No one's, no one's resonating or like, am I, am I even making an impact on people? Does it What's matter? The What's the point? Yep. You know, as soon as that thought enters and that could be because I misread someone's uh, facial expression. It could be because someone said something, did genuinely say something negative to me. Um, you know, there are times where people do like hate on what you're doing, you know? So, um, something like that could just, you know, trigger that thought and then that, that will stop flow or you know yeah. production and then um yeah the producing itself is tied to that oftentimes like well why am i going to produce something new no one you know it's not going to do anything type thing those are the times where i experience like most like blockage or or yeah. a, a lack of drive or something like that no motivation interesting so okay i'll tell you this too okay. this is how the relational thing comes in I could have a relational breakdown somewhere, maybe like a little spat with my wife. Maybe my kids were like yeah. really bad that day or not, not bad, but you know, like didn't play by my rules that day or okay. whatever and, uh, difficult no. and nice save that. Yeah. And that <laughs> will, um, that has nothing to do with like a Sunday. Right. But like, it just like kind of brings you down. Whereas like, I don't think for you that maybe necessarily is as much of a drive killer. Uh, like no. an interpersonal breakdown. That's no, not going to stop you from. No. Right, right. I'm going to show you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. In right, fact, right. that may just become my sermon. <laughs> right. Right. For me, it's like, <laughs> oh, I'm deflated. So what am I going to, you yeah. know, how am I going to get up and get going now? That type of thing. Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> if, if I have a second of that, mm -hmm. cause I'm terrified of that, the potential of that voice, right? Um, I pull out my phone and I Google Pitbull puppies. I saw that. On the Did you see, I posted that on Instagram. No, I legit do that. And I was like, oh, I'm going to tell people I do that. And I, you know, that, that like effect of like, oh, I just like grab onto that and start running. 
That's awesome. I mean, that's all you need. <laughs> just look at a pit bull puppy. It's on. Music does that for me. Yeah. I realize, like, I, I know this intellectually, and yet I'm surprised every time where, like, a song comes on that I like the song itself, or maybe I just like the sound of the song. Um, anything real, like, guitar-driven, kind of, like, uh, fast-paced. Yep. Will always lift my spirits. Yeah. Like, always. 100% of the time. So yeah. it's kind of interesting that things will just, and like immediately, I don't have to sit and listen. It'll just be like, ooh, like by the time the chorus hits, I'm there. So this is what's interesting to me about the emotional piece of this. So like, I, so part of this is I don't feel like I'm emotionally volatile really, like um, unless I just, you know, yeah. So I, you know, I get down, but I don't get down mm. like it takes me out down. And mm. I don't get up like it's, you know, manic. Uh, well, I, I can get a little manic, but it's usually around <laughs> ambition. Like, but, right. but yeah, so, um, and, and so I, I feel like that's a gift that helps. And I do feel for like, you know, there's a lot of people around me that I see like, man, emotion can really take you out. And, but I also know the power of like a positive emotion mm -hmm. where it's like, and that's, you know, at a fundamental level, I think that that, you know, the idea of like naming obstacles is an emotional thing. So, you know, uh, if, if I'm, if I'm walking a certain direction and there's this thing in my way, that thing's an obstacle and it's irritating mm. that at a basic level, that's a, that's mm -hmm. what an emotional reaction is. Um, and if I'm trying to reach something I can't reach and I find something that I can like reach with, it's a tool and I'm super happy about that. Right. And at like a fundamental level, like that's, that's what things are. The challenge that I have, and this is where, you know, tying to the relational component is that given someone who's going somewhere, people become tools and obstacles. Right. And I have to be really careful about that. Like I'm trying to go somewhere and you're in my way. And of course <laughs> the great story of that in the Bible is, you know, this religious person's on their way to do something, whatever. And there's this beat up Samaritan or mm -hmm. no, not Samaritan, just dude on the dude, side of the yeah. road that a Samaritan will eventually stop and, and help out. Right. And it's like the ability to be relationally motivated to stop with your goals for the sake of compassion and injury. And, right. and there are, there's a temperament that's more prone to do that. But then there's a faith that says, well, yeah, but this is also fundamental to what it means to be a good neighbor. Yeah. And it, it might for you take work to be a good neighbor in different ways, right? Opposing yeah. your own. Um, oh, there are certainly times where I've been like working on something, uh, maybe even just like writing a sermon. This happens so often. And there's some sort of like interruption whether it's someone coming to the door, like someone, just a random person or someone yeah. talking to me or whatever. And it's always in those moments, I do feel like, ah, oh, this person's in my way, whatever. And, but most of the time I like pause and I'm like, well, wait, what? Like I'm writing this sermon for people. Let me get here. back to writing about loving my right, neighbor. <laughs> exactly. Um, Shane Claiborne talks about holy interruptions and yeah. I've always, that's always stuck with me. Like, no, these interruptions are like, you know, moments where God's visiting you. Yeah. So you stop writing your stupid sermon. Like yeah. really it needs to go that far. Yep. I know? agree. Uh, so yeah. Well, right. And because it is, it is the message, right? Like right. you're trying to craft this thing, right. but you need to really be this thing. Yeah. Right. Well, I want to go back cause you were saying, okay, well I know that it's due. And of course, deadline is a piece of that. But I, I also wonder about, I don't know, made me wonder about an element of duty. Like yeah, how much sure. of your work is related to expectation or something outside right. of yourself? Right. Mom needs it done. It's part of my job description. I told someone I would do it or it's due. Mm -hmm. 
so there's part of there where I wonder about that in terms of, so duty bound, um, maybe, maybe that can blend a little bit toward on maybe a more unhealthy side of that. I'm not saying you're doing this, but if you were painting a trajectory, it could mm-hmm. be like people pleasing. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I'm going to work really hard to be wanted, to be valuable, to be whatever, um, rather than for the sake of the thing that I'm doing or whatever, which could be dangerous. Um, do you want to speak to that? Yeah. Before I, go to the I, next I used to have this like kind of negative view towards like duty or like something that you're bound to or whatever. And you know, I'm I, not shaving. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm not shaving. Right. Um, like I just want the the freedom of the spirit or something. I yeah. actually never bought into that, but just basically like this, like I should be able to go with life and its gifts and whatever. And, but more and more, I'm like, nah, that's stupid. I mean, at the end of the day, we all have things we have to do and, and they're based on those movements of faith. So like I'm committed to my wife as a foundation yep. right, of our relationship. Yep. Um, and that means I'm going to do some things that maybe I don't want to do in the moment. That's right. But that's fine because I've, they're based on a prior commitment. Yep. So to me, like that's the same thing with any kind of work or like the, like even writing a sermon or something like maybe there are times where I have to do some, or like cleaning. The yeah. sermons don't really ever get me down, but like sometimes like the cleaning, that kind of stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah. man, I don't feel like doing this today. Um, but like, yeah, you're not always going to feel like doing it and it's okay to just make yourself do it anyway because it's not inorganic. It's not fake. It's not yeah. being false or anything like that. It's just, you're just no, living I, out of commitment. I love what you're saying because I think, I mean, God, I can't tell you so much of what I do is going through the motions, right? Right. Like I don't need to feel good about this. And the reason, so this is why I was asking you this, this leads really well into the next point was you say, well, sometimes I'm down. Mm-hmm. That voice gets in my head. Nobody cares. What's the point mm-hmm. that the despair creeps in. And I wonder what beats despair? And we've talked about, well, I need a boost emotionally, but actually it could be that you're duty bound. Like, well, I'm not feeling it, but I made a promise. Dude, like I have learned so like in the last year and a half. So it's very new for me still. Mm-hmm. So I'm not like, you know, I don't have it down. I don't have it mastered or anywhere close, but I've discovered that integrity is very much a foundation for lifting yourself out of despair or, um, more depressive type states. Um, like it absolutely. I mean, just the other, I forget the example, but just the other day I felt kind of down. I felt kind of like, cause that happens to me a lot. I think temperamentally like that is very much part of who I tend to be. Um, and, uh, I just took some action. It was very mundane, very small, but it was something I had told myself I was going to do a long time ago. It was like, clean up the trash on the back porch or I don't know what it was. It was some stupid little tiny thing that wasn't even related to the project I was trying to get done, but couldn't because I was down. And I'm like, start with integrity. Start. I told myself I was going to do that. And I've lied to myself for these past three weeks because I haven't done it. Yep. So be true, right? Tell yourself the truth. And so I went and I did that little thing. It took me 30 seconds immediately, like right where I need to be emotionally. Why do you think that is? Well, I think that like, (laughs) that's that's yeah big question it is (laughs) but i do think about it sometimes i think the existential burden of um moving through life with like dishonesty like dishonesty towards yourself yep um trying to tell yourself everything's okay when really like you're refusing to even like pick up that thing you said you were going to pick up three weeks ago i think it just weighs us down existentially i just think that it's a lack of freedom and we're made to be free and so 
like you're binding yourself to all of these pointless things that you could resolve pretty easily. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think it might just be as simple as that. Just the, the burden of walking around with yeah, a lie you've told yourself or something. I, mm. I don't know. I mean, that's what it is for me sometimes. Like I say I care about all these things, but I won't even like, like put that thing back in the shed or whatever, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. And you're smart enough to see that your actions are what matter over your stories you're telling about yourself. You're like, I'm writing this sermon about loving my neighbor because I really care about loving my neighbor, but piss off interruption or whatever right, that's right, coming right, in right, here. Right. And yeah. I mean, and that is, it's like, well, which is true. The truth the is, is true. what you're doing. Absolutely. Right. And so you're like, yeah, I'm going to get all these things done, uh, but I'm not getting these things done. And I actually do think so. There is a, um, you know, there's this, uh, I don't know if I've shared this in an episode before. It doesn't matter, but BJ Fogg, um, has this, uh, so BJ Fogg is teaches a class, uh, it's on behavior change. And I actually think, I believe Instagram was born out of this class, but he has mm. this, um, what, which is basically like programming to get you like now people are taking pictures of their food and mm -hmm. like how to change behavior of a people over time. And there's a, there's like a math equation. So it's behavior B equals M a T. So behavior equals motivation plus ability plus trigger. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. there are things you're motivated to do that you are not able to do. And no matter if something triggers you or not to do it, mm. you're not able to right, do it. Right. So like, you know, I can't slam dunk and it doesn't matter how much I want to slam dunk. I can't slam dunk. Sure. And you can tell me to slam dunk. It's not happening. So the behavior won't happen. Now there are things you're able to do and I could trigger you to do, but you don't want to do, you're not mm -hmm. motivated to do, and you won't stick this knife in your eyeball. Right. Sure. You can, but mm -hmm. you won't. Right. And so it's the overlap. Now there are things you might be motivated to do and able to do, but nothing ever triggers you to do it mm. and you don't do it. Mm -hmm. And this is a really interesting formula to me, um, in behavior change, right? Like you can immediately start applying it all over the place. And it's, it's why I think it's important to make, so one make commitments. So you're, so the deadline is a trigger, mm -hmm. right? It right. gets you moving rather mm -hmm. than that song you're never writing. Right. Um, there are relational triggers where you're like, I'll see you there. Yep. Well, that's a commitment also making promises. Um, but then, and so for me, something that I've tried to utilize a lot is something like habit stacking where like there's there. So like, here's an example. Every morning you brush your teeth. I hope, mm -hmm. right. Is that something you do? Yeah. And you do it almost without thinking. Right. What's the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning? Hmm. think you think okay i you yeah, know like I, I i i i stay in bed awake a little bit like i don't get right out of bed so oh. i'm saying i just kind of like think dude about, that's deadly i would be there i would do i would go back to sleep and be there till noon right no joke i have <laughs> to like it's the end of the world get out of the bed well you wouldn't though if you had kids that were constantly asking you for oh deal with kids that's the first okay thing. all right yeah, the, yeah, first, yeah, yeah the first yeah. actual thing a, is yeah. to answer some sort of question about where's this food or where's that or you know whatever the kids are waking you up yeah okay yeah 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 deal with kids well okay so I I guess I mean routine though so like right. let's just say yeah go I wake up I go to the bathroom yep. and I brush my teeth right so let's just say that happens and you can look at your life and say for the last however many years it's 
it's ingrained in my behavior and my ritual, whether I crafted it or not, that I go to the bathroom. That's kind of biological. Sure. I gotta sleep all night. I gotta pee. Yeah. And then I'm in here, so I should brush my teeth. Okay, cool. Let's just say that happens. Well, then you just start designing a stack. You're like, whatever. So after I brush my, after I pee, I brush my teeth. After I brush my teeth, I what? After I what? You know, and you mm-hmm. can stack that up to last for hours, mm-hmm. um, in a mm-hmm. way that like one thing compels the next. So they become triggers for right. behaviors that you are able and motivated to do. Right. Like, because I think a lot of times in life we are like children demands around us. Mm-hmm. We're compelled by what is urgent yes. or right. directly in front of us. But there are things that are maybe most important that never get done because they don't have a deadline. So the song you want to write might be the most important song you've ever written, but it's not getting done because there's no deadline, no commitment, right. no nothing triggering the activity or the action. It hasn't been scheduled or set aside time, whatever that thing is. I think an example of this for, you know, uh, for a Christian, for someone of faith, of really any faith, um, and maybe even of no faith, I'd just say, so I would say prayer, Everyone's but then we just, let's just call that meditation. Totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's, let's say, let's say, um, like, sorry, that, that threw me off a little bit. So, so, <laughs> so yeah, I was like, oh, I want to go off on this theological <laughs> conversation now. Um, yeah. So they are, they should pray mm-hmm. or meditate. You should do that. That's important. And it never needs to get done like, ever. right. Right. And so the things like, that's a good example of like, what is most important can be left by the wayside forever. Right. And I, and right. I don't know, I feel like there's something in there related to all of this where it's like, we're compelled by a tyranny, the urgent, and we failed yeah. to set up things that are intentionally dictating our behavior. And this is what's really interesting to me about the overlap. So you said, I like to take ideas and I like to figure out how they apply to the real world Mm -hmm. is the connection between the idea and the concrete. And in a lot of ways, I think it is institutionalization of triggers or concrete actions and behaviors. So yeah, go ahead and like, tell me more. Oh no, I just, I just agree. Uh, Well, well, okay. Think about what you're saying. The institutionalization of triggers. Yep is religion in a sense. Okay. I mean, that's kind of how I think about it. Right. So like, here's some ideas we want to, we want to do this for the world. We see ourselves as people of faith, whatever that means or whatever. Like some of these things that might sound religious, just are completely ethereal and utterly pointless Mm -hmm. unless you institutionalize them. Okay. Um, like in a church for instance. Yep. And it's the, institutionalization uh, institutionalization of triggers right like you're there together okay well now you're forced to talk to each other community to ask each other what you're doing whatever and sometimes you don't you're not forced to do that people can get together and just kind of coast and a group of people getting together the tyranny of the urgent there's nothing urgent nothing happens type thing so you can create a practice or an act or a piece of the liturgy that inspires or triggers someone to relate to the other person or to meditate or to pray or whatever. talk about meditation. Like I love it. Yep. Never do it. Sunday mornings, only Sunday mornings when we do it as a group. Well, hopefully that keeps becoming right. more meaningful to you and finds its way into other areas. Right. The of your M life. can get bigger or whatever, but yeah, also the yeah. T can, is probably more like, like you said, setting up a time That's to right. do it or whatever. That's right. But it's time to meditate. Right. Yeah. And so right I really don't mind. Like I, I used to be very kind of anti-institutional in general. 
Yeah. Again, I'm not going to shave, right? Yeah. No, <laughs> it's, I, it, it's always great. how it's been. And yet now more and more, I'm like, no, 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 no. Institution is where, where it's at. Now, a, like oppressive structures, sure, like sure. things that are well, set you up can in institute, order to. So, right. Yeah. You can, you can go Nazi Germany instituted sure. evil in a very efficient way. Right. There's a ton to learn about building a machine from Nazi Germany that is probably very constructive for doing good in the world, even in terms of this is a mastermind of organization. And yet at the same time, <laughs> utilizing and leveraging this tool right. for evil well, ends. And even, even from the flip side of that, like take out intentionality, humans will always build structures. Oh, there's, never, well, there's right. never been a group of humans that, that haven't created institutions. Yeah. It just never happened. Well, and part of that is it, this emerges organically, like just in the same way that your ritual in the morning wasn't maybe crafted by anything other than I need to pee and sure. while I'm in here, I'll brush. But it turns out I'm so programmed and ingrained to do that. It would be hard to stop me from doing that. Right. And so the paradox of being human is like you're given all this stuff that seems innate. And yet you also have this like, wait, I can think about it. I can choose against it or for it or whatever. So put those together and it's like, clearly institutionalization is important. Clearly I need like set triggers. Clearly I need this and that, but I can also choose to like form them as I see fit or to enter into a certain kind of institution by choice, things like that. All right. So this is all very interesting. And I think the overlap of like, you're saying, well, basically you're saying routine and discipline, the institutionalization of triggers is what religion is. Mm -hmm. And I actually would say that um, in a in a hot, in a functional way that is correct. And you use the word liturgy, like you can add it to the liturgy. But really, a habit stack is a liturgy. Um, well, liturgy, it, liturgy means work of the people. There you go. That's what, so. This is what I was getting at. So so well, what is that? Like, what is the liturgy? What is it? Is um. Yeah, that's right. So I've, I've actually been hugely fascinated by that question. And I go, yeah, the work of the people or the public work or the work the made public. Yeah, the service the for the people, right, right. the people serve. Like, yeah, right, it's, right. it isn't clear to me exactly, but it is a good translation to say the work of the people. And I think in some sense, the work of the people is to build a uh, virtuous cycle, right? To say, well, we want to there's a bunch of things we want to embody in the world and mm -hmm. we can, it's going to take discipline to bring those things into being. Mm -hmm. And, and then, so this all brings me back to the, to the personal religion, let's say the personal ritual, the personal discipline to say, well, when that morning comes that you're down and that voice creeps in, um, yeah, like where, what are the things that, what are the tools that you use? What is the work that you do that you lean on to move or get to work? That's a question. It doesn't sound like a question. It, it ended in the, in the inflection going up, but, but, there was a, <laughs> no, but it was a big preface. It was yeah. A, what works? So what, okay. Works? So what works? So what to... like per, so the, the liturgy made personal. So like, right, for, so we, before we were talking about you get, you're like, I get in a funk. I'm mm -hmm. compelled by duty. I was like trying to tie those mm -hmm. things together mm -hmm. and I'm saying, well, you know that. And then out of that emerges saying, yeah, triggers matter. Right. Institutionalization right. matters. 
And so where in your own life, so for example, you said, well, let me start with my own word. Yeah. I'm going to go clean up the porch. And that got me moving. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, that was an example of a tool that you used. Although I wonder how instituted it is oh, oh, sure. or how happenstance it is. And then I'm asking, so what are the, so where are you at with the institutionalization okay. of those tools? I know you said like, I've been thinking a lot about this for the last year or so. So I'm trying yeah. to say like personally, yeah. how are you personally instituting a liturgy? that you might be a, let's say a religious person or a disciplined person or whatever. Yeah. Um, man, I have to think about that for a little bit. Uh, so, well, I don't know like how mundane you like what, what institutes the word tool for instance, like what is, what is tool? Well, yeah. So, I mean, it, yeah, good. So it could be as little as like I Google Pitbull puppies. Okay. And it okay, could okay. be, and Great, it could okay. be as big as I committed to be a in big, the free market every few Monday sure. nights, you know? Right. Well, a big ritual for me is coffee. Okay. That I think is super hugely important because, right. um, the, it's like the, I go to one particular place actually a, a lot and okay. When I like part of it is like the institutionalization of it, right? Man, that word is hard to say quickly. Um, <sighs> it's a certain location. Yep. It is like a break from like any sort of the urgent. Yep. Trying to like break in, right? And go there. Even if I like sometimes take my kids there, it's something about this place, the spirit like changes. And I just like can do things there well. I can mm-hmm. write, I can read efficiently. Um, and then the coffee is like this whole physical experience you know that like kind of like connects me to like it's a trigger it's like oh there's a mug here and i got my little refill on backup that means that i'm ready to begin you know um that's good and then also the physical like by the end of that coffee i'm like i'm jittery right right it's actually i can feel it physically (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. and it's like oh yeah now i'm amped up now i'm i can go do something else you Mm -hmm. know The, the bigger physical act yep so that that's actually a really big ritual for me that that has been hugely important. Well, it's good to reflect on this and identify what those things are and hopefully, you know, even to say like where where they're missing. Yeah, also, yeah, yeah, right? Like where you allow yourself to slide with the voice of ne- so you 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 know, I'm trying to go back. You said um there's a deadline, I got to get that thing done. There's the um the the challenge of despair creeping in which by the way i just wanted to say like my own way of dealing with that as like a building of resilience has been and it really is from um jürgen moltman Mm. was asked how do you maintain hope in the face of despair Mm. which i just thought was such a good question yeah and his answer well i thought was even better he said um as a protest and it's that, on the board right there. Yeah, hope right there everywhere. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hope as defiant. It's that I, it is in the end of the day, this is unacceptable. And I will stand up against what's unacceptable regardless mm. of the cost. And there's a way in which like, I don't know, it's a call to be hope in the darkness. Yes. So like when it all, when it, and, and I do think there is a, there is a, there is, it's like a hack almost. Like if that can, if that conviction can seep into the like depths of your soul. I actually think like when the bottom falls out, it wakes up something like a defiant hope that is, you could almost say delusional. 
Like we're all going to die. You're like, yeah, yeah watch. And right. like, you're, you still might be about to die. Right, right, right. But right. the way that you stand up. Almost in that, like an absurd holding on to something. Yeah. And I think the greatest examples of history that I, and I'm hugely influenced actually by, um, Victor Frankl and logotherapy. Mm. So, but he was in concentration camps yeah. and he, he reflected on, he was in four concentration camps and a big part of man's search for meaning. And a lot of the mm-hmm. books that he wrote after that was exactly that. He's like, look, good Jews ended up in concentration camps and the circumstances revealed something that had been developed inside of them, mm. that some of them became monsters, mm. de- devils for the sake of survival. Mm-hmm. But they were like good neighbors mm-hmm. when they came in. And some of them became heroic, almost angelic. Mm. They became selfless, good, like the presence of God in the world. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he just puzzled over that, like why? Mm-hmm. And of course for him it was at the heart of it, they were able to make meaning right. in the face of, death and destruction and despair. And I actually think, man, that means so much to me. Yeah. That, that is like that the sort, like to sink your teeth into becoming hope in that place. Like hope as defiance is a way of saying that same thing. I hear the same spirit in it Mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, I don't know if you want to, I don't know. Yeah, good stuff. Do you, um, do you, know that like ways you've seen yourself maybe in either of those circumstances where you're like, I've watched myself deteriorate and I've watched myself thrive in different circumstances. Um, maybe without directing you to those. So something I'll tell mind. you like my biggest times of like deterioration, if we're going to use that word is our like previous jobs. Okay. Because like before I was like doing the pastor thing, I just worked, you know, quote secular jobs or whatever like it wasn't like this not that there's this break but for me there was and that's probably part of it right i had no m wait what's m meaning meaning. oh well motivation motivation no motivation right and i would tied to meaning yeah yeah and that's just it like it was meaningless to me very meaningless and and it would be like this you'd hear people say like i would hear things like that well you can create meaning and um just like you can, you can find the depth of joy in life in any, any task or whatever. You just make it your own. And like, I was never able to, I just could never find meaning in like certain jobs, especially this one job I worked restoration. And there were like little glimmers of like, and here's when it was, when I saw that what I was doing was like helping or making someone happy, right? Like the, the customer who had yeah. had just a flood that night before, cause their toilet overran their entire house was filled with water. And now they're like relieved I'm there. Great. That was like meaningful, but it, they were so few and far between and I could never for whatever reason, just bring myself to see the overarching thing is meaningful. Um, that I got to a really bad place and eventually like my wife and I were like, yeah, th- we need to change here. Like this job's not working out. Uh, just, I'm curious about something. You mentioned the Enneagram before. Do you know what you are? Uh, four. You're a four. Oh, well, that's interesting. And that, and then you're also hugely motivated by creating and producing, yeah, calling things into being. That that would make sense. Um, do you want to briefly, for folks that don't know, say, say what a maybe a brief sketch of what a four is? So I'm pretty new to Enneagram myself. Okay. Um, I took the Enneagram um, test or whatever they call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, about three or four months ago. Okay. Um, so if four is the, it's the creator. Yep. Or 
you know, I don't really know the, I think they, like, I think part of it is you probably do a better sketch than, than well, I can, there's but a, there's they, a... they can tend to be like, um, more like emotionally driven yep. and sometimes with a sense of withdrawal, like one thing that it, like when you read about it afterwards, you know, and it's like, you are a kind of these types of things. One thing that really stuck out to me is like, felt like it was reflecting how I feel often is a four will say like, oh, no one knows how I'm feeling right now. Yeah. And like the obviously I'm a, one, I'm a million snowflake. Yeah, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> like, oh, I'm just in this depth of despair, you know? Yeah. And no one knows it. And yet, of course, everybody's been through that. But. Have you read or are you familiar with Richard Rohr's work on the Enneagram? No. You have to get it. So you know Richard Rohr, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so there's this priest and he wrote this book on the Enneagram and I think it's an incredible take mm, on it. Nice. And it goes through every character. And one of the things I love about the Enneagram in general is the dark side. So yes. not a lot of personality typologies really flesh out you in your most deteriorated state. Right. right? Like for me, it's like, yeah, you could be MLK or Hitler. Right. Right. You're like probably here's archetypes. You. Eight. Yeah. My wife's an eight. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that'd be interesting. I'd love to talk to her just about that. And so I, I'm particularly interested in women that are right? eights. I actually, that's like a, the lioness. It is. Very, <laughs> yeah. It is very interesting. And it's funny. Cause you're right. Like to watch the, I love that too. I love reading the dark, like where yeah. you could go if you were to deteriorate. Yeah, and like hers, the like the, the, la the, the farthest way you can go is like a, a murderer, whereas mine is suicidal. Yeah. So, right. So the four, the four is more prone to, and so they're, they're, they're imaginative and tend toward despair or depression or feeling isolated and alone. I'm a unique snowflake right, in its right, worst right. possible manifestation yet <laughs> have a, an affinity to beauty. So there's this interesting like image in my mind for the four is I imagine drinking poison under a tree that the flowers fall and like lay all over my body and everyone finds me dead in this beautiful pasture pasture. Oh yeah. That is a beautiful scene to me. <laughs> when you describe that, I'm like, Oh, that's just tremendous. Yeah. Yeah. That's horrible. So, so, okay. Well, the reason I asked you about uh, what you were and I was, I was, I was actually wondering if you were a two. Okay. And the reason I was wondering that is you said, well, when that restoration job was meaningful to me was when I saw that I was helping somebody. Mm -hmm. And before you said like a lot of the work that I'm motivated to do, even the mundane, like I go clean the bathrooms around the church or mow the lawn, not because it bothers me, but because I can be of service to the community that I'm here to serve. So there's something I'm hearing as a theme in your relational connection and in your duty the mm -hmm. things that are triggering you are relational commitments to a community. I love this, by the way. And I am motivated by being of service. And when you described depression, you actually were describing it in terms of it's not making an impact. It's not helpful. It's not connecting mm -hmm. to other people. Maybe in a way that is I'm feeling more and more isolated in your own personality mm -hmm. version of that. But... You know, there is like the, the four could be described as the individual. Like they don't even like the fact that there's a typology. I, I didn't know that, but you can dude. it's so you funny because it. I walk around saying like, these things are bogus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate it. I'm not like that. You don't know me. I'm a unique snowflake. Right. Yeah. And a lot of people will relate. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. Um, but I'm, I'm curious, well, do you want to respond to that? Because I, and I don't know if this is like something you know really well of yourself but as i'm hearing it as a theme and you're talking i'm like man 
you work for others. That's what I hear, right? Is that is that true? Um, yeah, it's it, I, I'm not I'm certainly not, you know, there. I don't. So it's funny because I'm going to actually fall back on this like old Christian way of go for about it, it. Yeah. But you know how like some of those uh, their personality tests basically, but like the spiritual gifts ones. Okay. Um, there's like the helper or something. Well, that's what a two would be called. Okay. Yeah, that's why I was wondering that. That's not me. No, no. Like the, the people that I know who are like that, we're very, we're very different okay. kinds of people. Like okay. what, what I m- mean is like, like I believe in like the community itself yeah, and the benefit of it yeah, and, and the creation of it. Um, and so what's going to aid that. Um, and the reason I believe that is cause yeah, I think individual people will find healing and hope and faith and all that yeah. stuff, but it's, it's less like, like I will absolutely do things for people. Um, if I'm asked, yeah, like come over any time of the night. Yeah, I'm there. Right. I'm kind of like pastoral like that, but I'm not the kind of person who's like always reaching out, thinking about it proactively. That's true. Like someone, you'd be happy to be left alone and get some studying done. Absolutely. Yeah. And so if someone's like, they're sick, you know, I'm not that person who's like, let's take them soup. Let's call and check on them. I, I have to make myself do those things because I know they'll help the community. So it's, I'm not, I'm definitely not a two. I'm definitely not like a helper type. Um, No, I really like this. I think, and I don't know if this is helpful to you, but I'm learning a lot in, in kind of about this distinction for you. So Mm. you're, you're, yeah, that's really good. And it's like, yeah, I'd rather just work on creating my music, but you can interrupt me. I'd rather write my talk, but come on in and I'm here for you. It actually, I mean, it's a pretty beautiful balance. Really. Uh, I admire it. And, probably have a lot to learn from it, honestly. Um, and I also think just, I'm hearing a vocational overlap for you and I, that I go, man, I think we're on the exact same page on this for different reasons. Probably Mm -hmm. it's like, I am like, what, what will, what is good for the community? What will grow the community? What is, and I'm going to show up and put in work. Yeah. Even if no one's going to see it because I know, like, because I believe in the payoff, for, for the larger call of the community, right? Right. Like there's a way and, and, and that can even be true with upsetting the community. I think in the prophetic strain is like, I will fight with the community if I think that it's the best for the community. Yeah, that's true. That's probably where I am probably the weakest. (laughs) Well, and that, and honestly, this is, and I think what's coming out of this is one distinction is just agreeable and disagreeable. Like you are a, you're a pretty agreeable dude. And I, and I think I have to like, put in work to get you to <laughs> criticize, right? Or be like, give me, come on, give it to me raw. You know what right, I mean? Let right, me, right, yeah, right. let me, and, and let me hear where we're out of line or where we're overstepping and like, and you, you, you're good about that, but it's a, it's clearly an intentionality. Like, Oh, I got to work to put up boundaries. Right. Whereas I got to work to be nice. Right. Like I'll just cut you open <laughs> verbally and right. didn't even notice. Right. Right. Like, oops. <laughs> oh, oh you, weren't ready, on the floor. you weren't ready to bear that. I'm right, sorry. Right. I unzipped you. And, uh, and that's what, it, yeah, that's what it is. It's like, I, if someone's truly coming to me and they're like, Hey, no, come on, lay it on the line. Okay. But I got it. I have to feel sure that that's true. I have to feel sure that like we're close enough that it wouldn't like destroy something. Like that's kind of how my yeah. emotional response goes in that scenario. Like I, I, I want to like say the negative things if it's going to help someone, but yeah. like, I got to know that they're really asking for that type thing. 
Well, sure. So that's the danger is, well, definitely if it's not being asked for, if the door hasn't been open for your input sure, and you're right. just kicking the door in <laughs> right, with right. your input. Wrong, like, wrong. Dude. Yeah. That's uh meddling a little bit. Um, so how would you describe like, like if someone, I don't know, you know, the, the standard question, you know, you're traveling, you meet new people and like people ask each other, well, so what do you do? Oh, someone asked me, what do I do? Yeah. I say, I say I'm a pastor. Okay. And then if they feel like they want to unpack it from there, I'll go for it. But you know, yeah, some people don't care or whatever. (laughs) Now in the, um, I, I heard this interview a long time ago. I actually think it, uh, Oh, actually you're okay. So yeah, this is all connected. So you are connected to some network marketing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, your family and, uh, and I am a big fan of network marketing. I know it gets a bad name, sure. but I actually think it's a great, mo- I learned so much about leadership and service to others. Mm. And, and it is a business for people that like helping people. I mean, that actually is yeah. a great way to say what it is. Cause like the only way I can make it is to help you make it right now. The negative spin on that is, well, you got to exploit people to, you know, whatever it's sure, like sure, people, sure. people give whatever, but I'm like, uh, this is just how multiplication works. You want to build a church, you want to build a movement, you want to build whatever. This one happens to be a bit commercial, right? It's, it's, you know, it's using this kind of organic growth for the sake of a commercial ends. We're going to sell perfume. We're going to sell, you know, whatever this product. Um, but I'm a fan of it and I did it for a time. Um, and I learned so much from doing that about Mm. leadership and whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the, I listened to a talk somewhere along the way. There's all these, you know, Amway tapes and all this stuff. And I, and I love them. I'm like, these are like sermons that are, you know, and actually there's a lot of like religious stuff all wrapped up in all of that too, which which some I love. Some I think is a little, gets a little weird. Some of them are like church services. (laughs) Um, But there was this one talk, there was this one talk where, it's just stuck with me. I don't even know why I remember this, but this guy, he was telling a story and someone asked him that question. Hey, what do you do? He's like, well, I do all kinds of stuff. I go golfing. Sure. I like to fish. Yeah. And, and like it, of course the point he's making is I've become financially free. Right. I don't have to be, my identity isn't wrapped up in what I do. Go ahead. Right. And, and so that's just called being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> well, go ahead. What do you mean? <laughs> like when people say, what, like I, I, I've been in that. I've like, that. I know what you mean. By what yeah, come on. When people say, what do you do? They mean, you know, what do you, what do you, where do you work? Like, okay. Now, now that being yeah, yeah, said, yeah, like, I'm not going to be like, I do all kinds of things, but I have found myself needing to explain that because yeah, it's, it's a somewhat non-traditional role in, in a way being a pastor. Okay. So sometimes I do have to unpack it in the, well, here's the things I do because yeah. people don't know. Well, what does that mean? Where if I say like, oh, I work at McDonald's. Well, you get an image. Or I'm a salesman. Okay, you got an image. If you say pastor, yeah, people probably have an image, which a lot of times I don't want them to have. Yeah, right. It's like and I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want you to do with right, any image right. you have about pastor. Exactly. A and B, they may also not have, be like, well, what does that actually entail? You know? Yeah. Well, I mow the lawn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mow the lawn. I clean the bathroom. I write talks. I write sermons. I hang out with people. I hang out with people. That's basically it. Yeah. Well, you're, I think you're well suited temperamentally for that job. And I think you do a really good job at it. And I, and I'm eager to see you have access to a larger tribe of people because you serve really well. And I think you're good at the craft of preaching also. I mean, 
you know, you're, you're not so, you're not the, you're not the, but Sunday's coming. No, poet. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not you're a little coming. more on the, on the scholar side, but I've always appreciated your, the craft of teaching, preaching. And, um, and I, and, and I've enjoyed, um, your, your contributions and courses are available online. People can go sure. listen and see, yeah. see for themselves, <laughs> whatever. Um, yeah, but uh, back to that question though, what I liked about that question and the reason I think it stuck with me beside like the, maybe the, the relational dynamic of the guy answering that way right, is right, a right. way of like sticking his sales pitch to you or right, whatever. Right. Cause there is a bit of a, that was whatever, a tactical snake oil guy. Mm-hmm. But I think why it stuck with me was the idea of identity and vocation yes. and tying what like why we talk about work as what we do for money. Now I know you both have some, you have one foot in that world with network marketing to at least assist with a family that is pretty deeply engaged in that process. But then you also, you're, you're a realtor. Yeah. And you're a musician. Yeah. You do a lot of things. Like in some sense, you're a man that wears many hats. It's interesting that you define yourself by one of them, even though two or three of those four of those pay you like you're, I mean, in some sense, in yeah, like it, there's sure. something somewhere from all of these places. Mm-hmm. Why not define yourself by those things yeah, or something else question. altogether? That's such a good question. Um, so the, I have reasons for all of them, which okay. is fine. Like, <laughs> like even if you just lay each one out, like the, the network marketing thing isn't like mine per se. Yep. Uh, my wife does a hundred percent of that work. I do 0% of any sort of effort towards that. So, so yes, I contribute in that, uh, I support by being married and real whatever, quick, but throw her a bone. What is it that she's doing and what is it people could get if they got in contact with her? Come on. Throw <laughs> I honestly her a bone. don't know if she'd want, I don't honestly don't know. She doesn't want it named. I, okay. All yeah, right. I don't on. know. I mean, she may or may not, but like, uh-huh. I, you'll neither find of us, out, you'll find out when this airs, neither of us are super like, like super driven in that okay. it, it's something that was like given to us like graciously yeah, like yeah, we yeah. Love it, by like her mother okay. her mother's super big in and successful with it and um and and we like write on that and it's not just writing on it like brit does stuff every yeah monthly weekly yeah. to like keep yeah. it up so like that's why i don't define myself by that i don't do it it would just be like disingenuous um as far as the like the the music for instance like oh you're a musician well yeah, but not really, you know. I play in a band. We've we played a few gigs. We're gonna do some recording, but it, it's not. It doesn't take up as much of my time. Um, we had like the payment isn't actually there. You know, it's not like super <laughs> lucrative or anything, um, and it hasn't been for very long. So I wouldn't say I do that if someone asked me the question. And then the realtor thing is. Um, I have this weird distinction between like making money to live and uh, doing something that's meaningful. And I, that's probably the distinction you probably wanted to most unpack. But yep. um, I, I don't say I'm a realtor because again, a big part of it's the time thing too. I don't spend very much time on that. So I say pastor because time spent is the largest amount. Um, sense of vocation is big. Like I say it because like, that's what I want to be. And that's who I consider myself. That's how I think about myself when I get up in the morning, I don't get up and say, Chris Kravitz realtor. I get up and I say, Chris Kravitz pastor, whatever. So, um, it's my overall goals are larger, bigger. Um, 
Whereas like the goal for real estate is to, well, you know, hopefully get some buyers and make a little money on the side. Yeah. Like that's it. Like there's no, I'm not pursuing it like extremely actively. I'm not yeah. putting myself, I'm not marketing it and yeah. really marketing for it. So it's like, you know, all these things that are traditionally associated with work, I don't do for those other realms. Whereas I do them for the, the pastor side. And all of those are ways that you're serving too, which is really cool. I, I feel like you're, Oh, so if someone said like, no, what do you really like? What do you really do? Yeah. I'd unpack all that stuff. Yeah. And I'd also say I raise kids Yeah, and I have friends. Yeah. I mean, those are important, you know, those are things you do as well that take effort and yep. take planning and work like work. So I, um, man, there's so much I want to ask you about. And I also am going to need to start wrapping oh, up. Yeah. I, I'm, going to need to be somewhere. I'm going to need to be somewhere <laughs> soon. I want to ask you kind of in all of those things and in all that you do and in everything in life, um, what is success? Trying to come up with a one liner. Can't doesn't need to be one line. Yeah. Um, don't edit what, what success is accomplishing uh the things you want to accomplish so individually it could look different for different people i think like just if you have something you want to do in life and you do it you've been successful when you die and they engrave your tombstone yeah and w if this thing could be said about you what would it be that would be mm -hmm. a success yeah He was loving. Okay. Would be a big one. Mm-hmm. And, well, yeah, loving, because you, in order for someone to write down on my tombstone, I must have demonstrated it. He loved well. Yeah. That does overlap with all that you've said, and I, I think you're doing well, and keep it up. Thanks. And you're doing well. Keep yeah. It up. <laughs> thank you for your friendship, your partnership. Thank you for taking this time to talk. And I got a scram. Yeah. Thanks, man. Cool. Let's see. Dude, that was so long.